I'm Matt. And I'm Jenna. We are Mana. And this is Food for Thought. A podcast dedicated to encourage and inspire you as you seek to grow your relationship with Christ and live out your Catholic faith. As we continue our series on the seven deadly sins, today's episode, we are talking about greed. Hey guys, so let me tell you, I'm pretty irritated because I went and bought Velcro pants and it turned out they were a total ripoff. <laughs> it was nicer when Jenna was here <laughs> to maybe potentially left. Uh, so yes, Jenna is still not with us um, for these episodes. We're still kind of adjusting to our schedules with babies, um, but she sends her love. She promises she will be back. Um, and so... These next couple episodes may just be me or maybe through the end of this series, um, but we're going to try and get her back mid-series if we can. If not, um, you'll be hearing from her real soon. So don't worry. She's doing well. Uh, her daughter, Adelaide's doing well. They're all doing well. Um, so she sends her love and her prayers and um, wants to say hi to everybody. Uh, but for today, you're stuck with me. So if that bothers you and my Velcro pants disturb you, then you can just turn this off. But if not, I'm going to go into my joy junk Jesus. Um, My joy was actually being able to spend some time with Jenna yesterday, um, which will not be the yesterday of the day you listen to this. So I'm going to leave it a mystery. It was Wednesday. Um, (laughs) And she brought Adelaide over and uh, her and and Hannah, our daughter, got to meet and, and lay on the couch together. They didn't really realize, they don't know what's going on at all yet. So they didn't really realize they were next to each other. But it was a cute little hopeful future best friend first picture um, opportunity. Um, And my junk, though, is that Jenna still isn't being able to record with us, and I miss her a lot um, on these episodes. And so um, bear with us. She will be back. Bear with me. There's no one else in this room that I'm in, in this undisclosed secret location, but me and the Lord, because he's omnipresent. Um, Speaking of the Lord, my Jesus moment um, a friend of my wife's, uh, shout out to Diana, um, just reached out, um, and said that, you know, something we posted on Instagram was bringing her comfort. And so Diana, I just wanted to give you a shout out. And that is our very, very special 18th shout out. So congratulations to you, Diana. Um, but also just to know that, um, we're praying for you, uh, and stuff that's going on with you right now. Um, just know that we're lifting you up in prayer. Um, and so today, We want to continue our series on the seven deadly sins, and we're going to talk about greed, or also known as avarice. Um, And greed is basically defined as an immoderate desire for earthly goods, wanting everything in the here and now, um, even things that um, are in excess of those things that we we really need. Um, Avarice, um, so greed, it's, it's... This kind of insatiable desire to gain things or to hoard wealth. Um, Avarice goes beyond that. It's almost like, I often hear it as a synonym to greed, but it seems in what I was reading and researching that it's um, kind of a a deepening of greed to the point where um, things like selfishness, entitlement, like real um, immersion in materialism and consumerism, um, even hoarding, like those things can start to become part of our lives that is avarice. It's it's almost as if the occasion of greed has 
seeped into our personality. And when that happens, that becomes avarice. That's my understanding of it, at least. If you know or think differently, please let me know. Um, but that can come about in the abusing of wealth or um, just the, the complete obsession with gaining it. Uh, and I think this is a good thing to talk about for... I mean, all of these seven deadly sins are present in our culture in different ways. But I think greed... You see it a lot in social media. You see it a lot in the way that people, especially celebrities, um, show off the things that they have and, and kind of promote this idea of, you know, swag and luxury and um, hustling and, you know, even hashtag blessed and first world problems, you know, like all those different hashtags that have happened or different kind of monikers or mottos that people have about life. They're all really attached to earthly things, to possessions, to things that we have or things that we want. Um, and so let me ask you this. I want you to take a moment and I want you to think about exactly where you are, who you're with, what you're doing at this moment. And I want to ask you this question. If you could be doing anything in the world right now, or you could be anywhere, where would you be? Now I want you to be honest. How many of you said something other than what you're doing or where you are right now. I think most of us, if not all of us, have that tendency. Because then the world is our possibility and this want creeps in and says, ooh, if I could be anywhere, why not go to Paris? Or why not go to this place that I've always wanted to go? And that's kind of how greed seeps in. It tells us that what's happening right now is not worth being present to because there's more things to acquire, more to-dos to accomplish or check off our list, more ways to present ourselves as better than so-and-so, or uh, to make everyone else feel like they're missing out or like we're competing with them. Uh, I see this on, on my social media a lot. There are a couple people um, that I know from, from earlier in my life um, that I just happen to still follow, and some of them travel a lot, but the way that they present it on social media or when they're posting is almost like, look how great my life is in a very condescending type of way. Um, and it's, it's sad that that is what some people's life is about. You know, that life becomes about the to-do list or the bucket list rather than pursuing uh, something greater than what the earth can offer us, what wealth we can acquire, what influence we can gain, what power we can have, what possessions we can possess what things we can buy. Those are the things that really plague our short-term minds. And some of it's practical. Like, we got to think about, how am I going to buy clothes? How am I going to pay my bills? I need a car to get from A to B. Um, But did you know that only 8% of people in the world have a car? 8%. So if you have a car, even if it doesn't even run, even if it doesn't even work, you are still in the richest 8% of the world's population. You're richer than 92% of the world. That's richer than, gosh, 6.5 billion people, I think. Math is hard, but more than that, probably. That's insane. And yet, that's something that seems, at least in the Western world, you know, we're recording this in the United States. Uh, I know there's some international listeners, but in our part of the world, it seems just like that's so necessary. You have to have a car. And part of our culture now is, oh, you got to go to college. You got to get a four-year degree, Um, even if it means racking up thousands and thousands of dollars in student debt to do so in an economy that is 
has been maybe is shifting out of, but still kind of seems to be a difficult place to find a job in the, f- the field that you're in, unless you're in one of the booming fields right now, you know, business, computers, engineering, you know, or things that are always needed, um, you know, the medical field and all that type of stuff. Um, and, you know, for people to take out $100,000 in student debt so that they can, you know, be a, a I don't know, history of basket weaving major, you know, like that, that's the reality that some people are dealing with. And it all comes from, I think this, this desire to just be like everybody else, uh, but still be like our own thing. Like I, I, I want to study what I want to study. I want to be who I want to be, but I got to get a degree because everybody else is getting a degree. Um, and I think that's, that's a, a, a way that greed really creeps in and greed really tells us like, you're not good enough what you have isn't good enough, your life isn't good enough, it can always be better. Um, And we get into a position where things get routine and normal. And for some people that makes them restless, like, okay, now I need more, I need something to change, I need something to be new. And I think the beautiful thing about the church, the church calendar, is that the biggest season in our church is ordinary time. And I think growing up when it was ordinary time, I was like, all right, everything's green, like nothing special is happening. But I think the beauty of ordinary time is showing like God is present in ordinary everyday life in an extraordinary way that can make every single day new and exciting and giving us new insights and new relationships and can be that more that we might be looking for, but in a way that really has substance and meaning and isn't just about what we acquire or what we possess. That I think can be really beautiful. Jesus says in the Gospels, Um, in the gospel of Luke chapter 12, uh, verse verses, let's see, um, 13 through 15, he has a saying against greed and someone comes to Jesus and says, teacher, tell my brother to share his inheritance with me. And Jesus replies to him, friend, who appointed me as your judge and arbitrator? And I love this. Like (laughs) some guy is like, Jesus, make my brother share. And Jesus is literally like, what am I, your mother? Like, like literally, like just totally sasses him back. But then he drops this on them. He says, he said to the crowd, take care to guard against all greed. For though one may be rich, one's life does not consist of possessions. You know, it it was common for people to come to the rabbis or the Sanhedrin to settle kind of disputes at the time. And so I think that's what's happening here is there's a dispute happening. And because Jesus is a rabbi and he's ministering, he has the wisdom that's needed. And they bring to him this very practical real life need that is so pressing to them. And Jesus just kind of brushes it off and is like, are you serious? Like, that's what you're worried about? Like, who cares? Like when you die, like... I mean, I'm, I'm going beyond what he says, but like, if I were there, I assume he would be thinking like, when you die, like you can't take this stuff with you. Does that really matter? Like the money that you acquire, all those things that you get, anything earthly that we get, our happiness runs out the second that thing runs out. You know, I'm, I don't buy, you know, a big steak dinner and eat it. And then three years from now, I'm still like, man, I'm still on that happiness high from that steak dinner three years ago. Like, no, like once that dinner's over and I digest it and I go about my day, like the the satisfaction from that meal dissipates because I can't taste it anymore. It's not in my system anymore. I'm not experiencing it anymore. Same thing with money. You might be happy if you win the lottery, but statistics show that a majority of lottery winners spend their entire lottery winnings within the first five years of winning the lottery. 
And that's billions of dollars, like more dollars or millions of dollars, more money than most of us will ever see in our whole life. And people will blow it within five years. And so we have to be conscious of the danger of falling into this trap of thinking it's all about the hustle, all about what I can get, all about how I appear, all about the brand names that I wear, all about the influence that I have, all about the branding uh, of my own life, um, the theme of my Instagram and my life, and, and everything's through a filter, and everything looks expensive and luxurious, and, you know, um, why can't we just be satisfied with the Kirkland things of life, for lack of a better analogy, Kirkland is the Costco brand, um, <laughs> the Kirkland things of life, so that we can have luxurious experiences of God every single day. So that we can bask in the hustle of the Lord, or the swag of the Lord every single day. I know that sounds kind of weird that I'm applying that to something that it completely seems to reject. But like, you know the passion and the pursuance that people have of those things that are attached to those words. Why can't we shift that to our relationship with God? And what if every day was about getting more and more satisfaction out of our prayer time? Or peace out of our relationship with God? Or more and more reconciliation with those that we've broken, have broken relationships with. More and more meaningful conversations with our friends and family. What if that's what we sought after every single day? Here's another, another approach to this. This comes from Proverbs. This is Proverbs chapter 22 verse 1. And it says, A good name is more desirable than great riches, and high esteem than gold and silver. So good name is more desirable than great riches and high esteem is more desirable than gold and silver. Rich and poor have a common bond. The Lord is the maker of them all. So there's a sense of equality and just a recognition of our belonging to one another when we realize it's not about things, but it's about a who. But beyond that, I love this, a good name and high esteem. And I think high esteem doesn't have to do necessarily with what other people think of you, but it has to do with the fact that you are respected. And respect is something that's earned. You know, like if when people say like, oh, I respect, you know, Kanye West because he has all these things and he's such a creative person. Yeah, but you don't really respect him because you don't really know him. Like you respect him in a surface level sense. Maybe you respect his swagger or his hustle or whatever it might be. But if real respect is about knowing the person, And it comes from a place of knowing that there's a deep sense of care and love that they show people who are meaningful to them. And that they're present and intentional in the ways that they interact with other people. That's what real esteem and real real respect comes from. And then a good name. I don't know if you think about this, but like, think about why we have last names. You know, why do you have a last name? I mean, you have a social security number. And a birthday, like if you were just Craig, you know, like people could figure out with those other things that you've put on every form anyway, who you are. You know, you have a unique identifying number. Why do we have a last name? We have a last name because it delineates our family heritage. It delineates the tribe in which we come from, the area in which we come from, what our family was known for, what they created. And we carry with us the legacy of those people Every time we write or say or represent our last name. And so for me, my last name is Zemanek, which is a 
Polish um, or Czech Slavic aristocratic name. Um, every time that I say that name, it's rare enough for me to know, like, if anyone else has that name, I'm related to them for sure. But, but at the same time, like, I'm representing what that name means. And you get this in, in school, you know, like when, when you have an older sibling that goes through classes and if they were a really good student and you're their younger sibling, you come up into that same class with that same teacher and they're like, oh, you're so-and-so's younger sibling. I expect great things from you. Or if you weren't that great of a student, you're, oh, you're so-and-so's number sibling. Like, I'm going to keep my eye out for you. And it's almost like you all you already have this perceived idea of who you are simply because of your last name. That's what it is. And we lose that a little bit because we live in such an individualistic culture once we get out of high school and, and college. And it's just about like, be who you want to be and, and do whatever. And you're your own person and you're your own you. And it's beautiful. And it's like, that's great. Like I'm all about self-empowerment and things like that. But at the same time, like we have a legacy that we carry with us. And, you know, if, if my dad didn't gripe up the nerves to go down to the graphic design department at Safeco Title, you know, 30 some years ago and try and get my mom to fill out a form that he didn't even need. Uh, had she not been there, had she said no, had some other temp filled it out and shoot him away and he lost his confidence in that, I wouldn't exist. My marriage wouldn't exist. My daughter wouldn't exist. All from that one story, that one moment that I carry with me and who I am by virtue of my very life. And so what greed does is it removes the importance of that vast history and tapestry of, of family tree and timelines and stories that we carry with us, things that have deep meaning and significance, and it places a significance on things that are completely disconnected from who we are and tries to convince us that our identity is in that thing, that brand, and it removes it from where it's meaningful. That's the danger of greed, is it's a really a crisis of identity. In uh, 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 3, Peter's warning against false teachers here. And he says um, earlier, uh, let's start at the beginning of 2 Peter chapter 2, There were also false prophets among the people, just as there will be false teachers among you, who will introduce destructive heresies and even deny the master who ransomed them bringing swift destruction on themselves. Many will follow their licentious ways, and because of them the way of the truth will be reviled. In their greed they will exploit you with fabrications, but from of old their condemnation has not been idle, and their destruction does not sleep. I love that part where it says the way of the truth will be reviled. You know, when we obsess about the things of the world, when we get greedy for stuff, things that have a deeper meaning that call us away from that, call us to a spiritual poverty or a sense of generosity or service or sacrifice. Our culture, our materialistic culture really doesn't like that and it rejects it. And what that scripture verse is saying is their, their destruction has not been idle like that. They're going to destroy themselves because it's just going to be this inward consumption. Um, Mother Teresa I've, I love quotes by Mother Teresa, and I've never stumbled upon, upon this quote of hers before, um, but I read it and I was like, this might be like my favorite or the most powerful quote I've ever read from Mother Teresa. And she says this, I fear just one thing, money. Greed was what motivated Judas to sell Jesus. 
Listen to that again. I fear just one thing, money. Greed was what motivated Judas to sell Jesus. Our world runs on money. And yet, this woman lived a life of great significance that people honor and love and look to for inspiration, and she completely rejected that idea. Completely rejected it. Because she recognized the temptation to sell Jesus. And we sell Jesus, we sell our relationship with him for stuff, for surface level experiences, for keeping up with other people, skip out on mass because we don't want to miss that party or that event, or uh, we want to make more money at work and we don't want to tell our boss that we have to miss, um, even though it's you know something that we've committed to by virtue of saying, I am a Catholic. Um, that's how greed really creeps in. And so, if we want to combat greed, if that's something you feel like is going on in your life, the virtue that we want to cling to is prudence, and the gift of the Holy Spirit that we want to pray for is piety. Prudence is basically saying, uh, it's, it's basically the inter, uh, an intellectual virtue, and it rightly directs our actions. Um, and so it, it um, what's the word? It softens our appetite um, for things and shifts it to something good, a consumption of something good. Um, it's basically the maintaining of healthy desires, looking to and preparing for the future responsibly. Um, and so people who are greedy, people who consume stuff, like they're, they're, they're spending not thinking about the future. Um, you know, they're not thinking about investing in a college fund for their children, like they just want that coach purse or whatever it might be. And I'm not knocking those things if you have them, you know, um, just like everything, like things are not bad, but it's the obsession with things and the pursuit of things above um, our pursuit of our relationship with God. That's when it becomes bad or immoral or idolatry. Uh, and so pray for the virtue of prudence and ask for the gift of the Holy Spirit of piety. Piety is basically, it means reverence or dutifulness. Um, it's basically the, the, the gift by which we recognize that God, we render to God the worship and the service that he deserves. They're basically saying this life is not about me. It's not about what I can acquire, what I need or want. It's about God who provides all those things, who I simply need to surrender to his will because he knows me better than I know myself. And he does not place a desire on my heart that he does not seek to fulfill beyond my wildest dreams. That's something that we have to start convincing ourselves of. So pray for the virtue of prudence and the gift of piety. And I think uh, a saint that you can ask the intercession for, someone whose life was lived in a way that really rejected greed after he lived a life very, very um, about this world, is St. Francis of Assisi. Now, I'm super excited to be doing St. Francis because my wife loves St. Francis and I love my wife. And so I get excited about things she gets excited about. Um, and so... St. Francis, he has this awesome story. Um, he was born in around like 1181 in Assisi. He died there too. He died only at age 44. Um, his feast day is on October 4th, my friend Ashley's birthday. Shout out to you, Ashley. Um, he's a patron saint of animals, the environment, merchants, um, tapestry workers. And that's because his father was a silk merchant. And so he was very, very wealthy. Um, 
He was actually baptized um, Giovanni under the name of John the Baptist by his mom because his dad was away doing business in France. And when his dad came back, he was so mad because he didn't want a religious son. He wanted a businessman of a son that he renamed him Francesco, uh, meaning of the things of France, because France was all about that um, that lifestyle of things and, and you know luxury and stuff like that. Um, and so Francis grew up in that. He grew up as a wealthy young man. He spent money lavishly. He had wild parties. He became the leader of this group of friends that he would always entertain. Um, and so, and he was really good at selling um, for his father. But beyond that, he wanted to be a knight. And so he entered the military um, and he actually was captured. And he only survived because his family was rich enough for him to be ransomed. Um, and that, that still didn't change anything. He still wanted to be wealthy and still wanted to do that. And so eventually he, um, answered the call for the fourth crusade. Um, they were going on the fourth crusade and you had to provide your own horse and your own suit of armor. And so Francis, uh, in his luxurious style, got this gold, full gold suit of armor and he mounted up with the troops and they traveled on for a day. And he got a day away from Assisi, and then he had a dream and where God told him to return home. And he went back home. And he did, and he was ridiculed by his family, by his friends. Nobody understood. They thought he was a coward, that he was, um, you know, leaving his duty um, to go serve in the military. And so he ended up, over time, having this big conversion, and he... Uh, is praying in front of um, Christ um, on the crucifix, and Christ speaks to him and asks him to rebuild his church. And I think the church was called San Damiano or something like that. And so he took it literally. He was like, oh, this church is falling apart. You need me to rebuild it. Um, and so he went and took um, money from his father's fabric to sell um, to repair the church. And his dad actually was like, no, like you can't steal from me. And he was so mad about his son's reputation now that he brought his son before the bishop and told him what happened, and Francis had really gained favor with this bishop, and the bishop was like, don't worry, we'll find the money somewhere. And so Francis took that as an opportunity to say, like, you know, this man is no longer my father, but God is my father alone. And he gave back all the fabric, and he took off all of his clothing except for a hair shirt, which was like this um, undershirt that um, religious people would wear. Um, And he gave it all to his father uh, and basically renounced things of the world and renounced his family and just lived his life um, as a beggar from that point forward. Um, He would preach, um, but his preaching, he wasn't really a reformer. He would just preach obedience to God, um, obedience back to God. And that's where it comes from, that prudence, that piety, like recognizing God is worthy of praise. He's worthy of service. Um, And so he would sleep out in the open. Um, He would beg for even garbage to eat. And people started coming and following him. And um, he recognized like, okay, I don't want to start a religious order because that's like too militaristic, but we need a rule of life. And so he opened the Bible and he stopped in three places. He read the command of the rich young man to sell all all that he had and give it to the poor. He read the order to the apostles to take nothing on their journey when they went out two by two. And then he read the verse where um, Christ says to take up the cross daily. And so Francis established those three things, sell everything you have, give it to the poor, take nothing on your journey and take up your cross daily. And that was basically the rule of Franciscan life, even though he didn't want to, to have a, um, a community like that, like a, an order. Um, and so to him, possessing anything was like the death of love. That's what it's, 
It's referred to in summaries of his life. He considered it the death of love to even possess anything. Um, he, he would say, like, what can you do to someone who owns nothing? You can't starve a fasting man. You can't steal from someone who has no money. You can't ruin someone who hates prestige. And in that, he was truly free. And all of the people in his order were truly free. Um, there are awesome stories about him, especially with animals. Like um, he would preach to birds and they would all sit there and they wouldn't fly away until he tell them that they could. There's one time where there was a wolf who was eating humans in this village. And he um, went out and talked to the wolf and the wolf never killed again and actually became like the town's pet and people would feed him. Um, he also had really um, awesome encounters with um, other people. Um, he went, he ended up going to Syria, um, with the fifth crusade, but it was to convert Muslims. And in the middle of a battle, he went straight to the Sultan to try and make peace. And he was, him and his companion were captured and it was a miracle that they weren't even killed. Francis was taken to the Sultan who was so charmed by him that he told Francis that he would convert to his religion, to Catholicism. And thought it was beautiful, but if he did, both of them would be killed. And so uh, he ended up um, not, he ended up escaping persecution, um, but ended up finding it among his own community. And when he returned, um, the brotherhood of people he was traveling or, or living with had grown by five or grown to 5,000 people in 10 years. And um, basically they were pressuring him. Um, People were pressuring to have outside control, um, to conform to other different religious communities, um, and they thought his radical poverty was too harsh. And so he ended up getting kicked out um, of his position as the leader of his own order. Um, so he ended up facing persecution from his own companions. And that's what I mean about greed. Like when you really go against greed, uh, you're going against the culture. And that was true in St. Francis's time, and it's true in this time. And so if you find that something you struggle with, just that desire for more recognition, for more things, for more stuff, um, to really just ask God to um, validate and bless you through the things that you already have and through the relationships you already have, and help you to know what is truly meaningful. Um, to put things in life in their proper order. That's a great prayer. Lord, would you please put everything in my life in its proper order? And just to be able to pray that and, and invite him to bless you with the virtue of, of prudence and the gift of piety. That's it for this episode, episode 21. There are four more episodes to come on the remaining four deadly sins. Uh, so I hope you will listen. I hope you will share this podcast with anyone that you feel may benefit from it. Uh, follow us on Instagram at manafoodforthought um, or find us online at manafoodforthought.com. Email us at manafoodforthought at gmail.com. All of those are different ways you can send us your suggestions, your feedback. We really love to hear from you. Even if it's just like, hey, I love this episode, go comment on the website and tell us that so other people can see that that's worth listening to. Uh, rate and review us on iTunes or Stitcher or Google Play or however you're listening to us so that other people can find this podcast more easily. And as always, you can support us financially for as little as $1 a month and you get access to exclusive behind the scenes content. Um, and we will really appreciate that. Shout out to all of our Patreon supporters. Um, you have the beautiful 20th shout out. How lucky you are. Anyways, until next time, we are praying for you. Jenna's praying for you, and we will see you in the Eucharist. Bye.